This episode is brought to you by the Weight Inclusive Business Workshop. Hannah and I are hosting a two-day business workshop on September 29th and 30th. During these two days, we'll cover the importance of laying a business foundation that'll set you up for success, business strategies to keep you on the path to success, business finances, marketing, customer experience journey, systems you can use to work smarter and not harder, and you guessed it, the Enneagram, and how to use it as a business tool. It's going to be a mix between learning and doing, so you'll walk away from our time together with things checked off your business to-do list. Mark your calendar September 29th and 30th. Registration is open now. And if you're a dietitian, we have applied for CEUs. You're not going to want to miss this. Head on over to weightinclusiveinnovators.com to register. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. We have our first ever guest on the podcast today, and holy shit, we are so excited. Today, we're going to be chatting with Heather Kaplan about the end of an era as she stops the RD Real Talk podcast and ramps up wind, where she's going to be shifting her energy and her business endeavors. So a little bit about Heather. Heather Kaplan, pronouns she, her, is a non-diet registered dietitian, writer, podcast host, and parent to three littles. She's been an entrepreneur for over five years, exploring a lot of different areas of business. Surprise, multi-passionate entrepreneur. Her work has focused on bringing non-diet weight-inclusive care and continuing education to both clients and healthcare peers. Heather hosted the RD Real Talk podcast from 2017 to 2022, a show that features over 100 practitioners and activists in the non-diet space. She founded Weight Inclusive Nutrition and Dietetics, aka WIND, in 2018 to create spaces and events for weight-inclusive continuing education and activism. She now works with fellow entrepreneurs to develop and grow their own non-diet businesses and offerings. Heather's work has been featured in national publications such as The Today Show, The Washington Post, Runner's World, and Outside Magazine. You'll be able to find more of her work and how to work with her on heatherkaplan.com. Let's dive into conversation with Heather. Hi. Hello. I <laughs> I love reading the bio of Enneagram 7s because I'm like, she does this and she does this. Can she? <laughs> she's also done this. She does it all. It's Heather. And that's so fun. <laughs> Welcome to the pod. Oh my God. Welcome to the pod. I'm so happy to be here. I feel I was listening to your recent episode and Morgan, you said something about like, like, I don't know who said that to me. It was either you or Heather Kaplan. I was like, hmm. Yeah. We have these conversations. Yeah. Yep, so I realized I was like, I feel like I've had this conversation multiple times with you and Hannah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. All the time. Maybe even in the same text thread. Who knows? Probably. Possible. I was listening to the RD Real Talk, your wrap-up episode, getting ready for our episode together and also just being a curious 
person. And it's funny because I've been kind of listening in the last few episodes you recorded. And I feel like Morgan and I are mentioned almost every time and it's so lovely. And I'm like, you love us. You really love us. <laughs> yes. There's lots of synergy happening here. Lots of good vibes. Yeah. Go naturally, ahead. You, naturally, you had to be our first guest for the podcast. Yeah. I'm really excited. And we're excited to talk to you. So we're going to jump right in if that's cool. So today we want to hear the scoop on the end of an era with the RD Real Talk podcast. And we want to talk all things wind. So let's close out that chapter of your podcast and then dive into all the interesting, exciting things you have going on. Cool. Let's do it. How did you make the decision to stop the RD Real Talk podcast? Um, I just... I think I've said this to you guys before, but um, I just got bored. <laughs> I just got bored. Like I've been doing it for so long and it is sort of a weird thing to wrap up a podcast. Like I've listened to a few podcasts that have ended and it's sort of like, I feel like most people say the same thing. It's sort of like, okay, well, I've had a lot of conversations and we've talked about a lot of the same things. So I'm just going to leave it at that, you know? So part of, part of it was definitely that. And part of it was um, last year when I had a little break, I took a much longer break than I anticipated from the podcast for my third maternity leave. Um, and during that time, I had this idea for a new podcast and it's been sitting in my head for a long time now over a year, which is like wild. Like everyone says like the time passes anyway. And then in the moment you're like, yeah, but I got to think about this now. I'm like, how is that a year ago? But part of me was just like, I don't want to host two podcasts. And I also like, just feel like I've kind of reached a point with this, with RD Real Talk where like, I don't know, I've said what I am going to say at this point. And again, like not, I said this on the episode, but like not to imply that there's like nothing else to learn, no one else to talk to. Like, I don't feel that way at all, but I just sort of felt ready for something new. So did that. And to be able to know that and come to that decision, I think is so awesome and huge because it's not, it's not an easy, like, cool, let's just close it down. I'm imagining there's different steps you have to take and considerations, but, and it's also been a really big way to get word out about you and your services and the non-diet message. So I I have such an appreciation for you making that decision and being like, I know what I want and it's this. So good job. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. I think like... I definitely could have just ended it last summer and been like, okay, I'm done. Like I got kind of bored and I want to do this new thing. And then as I started thinking about that, I was like, wait, but there's these episodes I haven't recruited yet. And all these questions on a forum that I never answered. And like a few people I want to have back on and just then all these things kind of started coming to mind. I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep recording it for a little while. And then I'll end when it feels like the right time. And this spring I was just like, and we're done. Okay, we're done. Did you ever at one point think about just like passing the baton to someone else as the host Mm. or did you, were you like, nope, like this was my baby. So like, I'm just going to like end it. Yeah, I did think about that. Um, And I actually thought about doing more of a like pass the mic thing where, and I guess I still could do that. It's not like I'm going to delete the feed, you know, I do have to pay to like keep the storage, but I'll keep it for at least a year. Um, so yeah, I did think about doing a past the mic where like I reached out to people who maybe would just want to host one episode or like have one of their best friends on and like they t- and like I'm not involved at all. 
and be like, just hear from different perspectives, like consider this a round table or like, I don't know, like you are in a room with different dietitians and like, I'm just not the one hosting anymore. Yeah. Definitely thought about that. And then I was like, that kind of feels like a lot of work to like coordinate and still like have to plan the episodes and reach out to the people. Like, it's not like that was a totally hands-off thing that I could have done. So again, like might do that in the future if I decide to like pick it back up in some way, but in a different way. But um, yeah, it just didn't feel like something I had the time and energy to do right now. I'm giggling to myself because I, I hear you made the decision and then there's still like a little crack open in the door of like, maybe I'll come back to this. Maybe I won't like (laughs) almost the, I'm not committing. (laughs) Yes. Non-commitment, like a true Enneagram seven. I know. I know. Yeah. There's definitely that. So what were the tangibles of having to close down a podcast? As you know, Morgan and I are just ramping up ours and we know how much production has to go on to do one. So don't blame you for not wanting to do two. That would be bananas and a full-time job. So what did you have to do to close it down? I mean, not a lot because I just wrapped that into my LLC. So it's not like I had a business partner. Like you guys, it would look a little bit differently, right? But like, I don't have a business partner in that. I I do pay an editor and I had like a few interns who worked on the back end for things a couple of times, but it was mostly just kind of planning out the last few episodes and then holding holding a boundary, (laughs) like not reaching out to more people, not scrolling Instagram and being like, Oh, but maybe this person too. Uh, so it was mostly planning the schedule. And then I just like adjusted my Libsyn payment. So it's much lower per month because I don't need the storage, like the new monthly storage. It's just like keeping that account active. Um, and then I do post the show notes on my website. And so like, I'll probably keep that page up. Like I could hide it, I guess, in the future if I don't like, don't want to point people towards that, but it's still a resource that exists. Like I don't necessarily need it to disappear. I just didn't want it to be part of my like day-to-day or week-to-week to-do list anymore. Absolutely. So speaking of to-do lists and having to put on the production, we use Asana to keep all of our tasks organized and we feel like we are getting our systems down. And so I'm wondering for you as a fellow podcast person who is going to be doing another podcast, how do you keep your stuff organized and like cohesive and make sure you cross your T's and dot your I's? What do you use? Just curious. Yeah. Um, well, first I will say that while I love systems, I always aspire to be more organized than I am full transparency. Like there are certain things with the podcast that I've always been like, why don't I do that this way? Like it would just be so much easier if I like did this more cohesively, um, especially in terms of like content generation, but that's a separate conversation, a whole other podcast episode. Um, so my systems that I use that have really done me like done me a solid Libsyn is the uploading ser- like the hosting service that I use. So um been using that forever. I used Zencaster to record for a while and now I'm using Zoom. Um and I set everything up on Calendly, as you both know, because you've been on the show. Um, so that if I reach out to someone, I just send them the Calendly link and that sends them an email that's like, here's what to expect, here's the link to join. It should automatically create a Zoom link, but because I was using Zencaster for a while, that didn't I didn't do that. But you can automate that with Calendly. So that would have made my life a little easier. Um, And then like 
put together an outline, record the episode, send it to my editor, upload, like listen to it, do show notes, all that kind of stuff. So like the actual software systems would be Libsyn, Zencaster, or Zoom and Calendly. And I love all of those things. I think they're all like really great or really great like tools to have. Does that answer your question? It does. Yes. And it sounds like after that's all recorded, the guest comes on, then you send things off to your editor and then they upload it or do you upload it? Like what happens after the episode is recorded and you send it off? Yeah. I've done a lot of the back end, and I've had kind of, again, like various people who've helped during different seasons of life who do parts of that. But Ultimately, like I never got to a place where I didn't feel like I needed to listen to the episode before it went up. So like when my editor was done, I still felt like the content piece was on me. He's a sound editor. Like he's not going to like fix content or like cut out something that I'm like, "Mm, actually, that doesn't need to be included. Um, So ultimately, like I'm still the content person. And then I, something I learned about myself in this process is like, I'm really picky with the voice of things that I put out to the world. So like show notes, blog posts, newsletter, like I would put together the show notes and then I would do like show notes to my website. So like, usually that was the same, whatever was in Libsyn, like went on the website. And then I would do a newsletter for the next week. And the newsletter was just sort of like a blog post version of the episode. Um, And I would have to write all of that. I tried to outsource it so many times and then I'm just so picky about it. So I couldn't do it. (laughs) I did have one intern this year. Shout out to Erin. She did an excellent job. And I, she was the first person I've had in five years that I fully trusted to do show notes. And I would just like look at it later and be like, yeah, that looks great. Thanks for doing that. So that's people. Yes. They're so hard to, and again, like that's me being way pickier than I probably needed to be. But ultimately I'm like, it's my face on the logo and it's my, like my name in the show. Like it has to be in my voice. So I got picky about that. I feel like people know, and I, I relate to that a lot. I don't, I mean, I don't want to bring the Enneagram seven into those again, but I feel like people and conversations and words in a context really matter to us. And it's not just a passive thing when we know we're putting our words out into the universe. And maybe that's why podcast is such a a fun medium to be doing it through because there's not so much editing and there's not so much particularness with the words that come out because it's not going to be on a paper. Like I can say like, and um, and it's fine. And I'm with you in understanding I like the newsletter to come from us and our yeah. words. Yeah, I hear you. So now that you've wrapped up the RD Real Talk podcast, you recorded your last episode. How are you feeling about that? Mm. I mean, as alluded to earlier, somewhat non-committal. <laughs> like, no, it is done. It's done. Um, but it remains a space that I like. I want to be open in case again, like somewhere down the line, I'm like, yeah, it'd be kind of fun to do like the pass the mic season. And maybe it's like other podcasters and that's a good way to like broadcast their show to listeners. Um, Cause I like shows that I really have loved and listened to for a long time when they end, I like refuse to take them off of my feed. I'm like, no, I can't let go. It's, I just need to see the icon. It's so comforting. <laughs> I don't know if anyone feels that way about my show. That's like being a little arrogant, but like, 
it's open. Um, but I feel really good. I said this on my last episode, but just to share here as well, because I don't expect everyone to listen to that. I did have this idea for a new podcast last year and that felt like really energizing and exciting in a way that it does for a seven brain. And like, I wanted to go all in right away. And then I had some friends that I reached out to, to like, hold me accountable to like being really thorough with the process of starting a new show if I decide to do that. And like the more I thought about that, and then as I got back into this one, I just thought like, I there's too much in my brain right now. Like I have three kids. I can't also have like five businesses, you know? Um, And I said this either in a newsletter or in one of the, maybe in the last episode, I can't remember, but I basically was just like, maybe the five businesses world like worked for me at some point, but it doesn't work for me anymore. And actually maybe it never worked. And I just like, didn't realize that because I didn't have something else in my life, sort of like almost forcing a boundary, if that makes sense. Um, And I had a moment this spring where I was just like, it needs to be done. Like I need brain space to open up so that I can like do the other parts of my business a little more justice. And I mean, Morgan, you said this earlier, like the podcast is a great way to market all of those things. So that's part of what was hard of letting it go is like, that's a great way to talk about wind events and a great way to talk about mastermind groups and a great way to talk about like whatever else is coming up. And I just like, it feels like a relief to have some part of my weeks back and part of my brain back (laughs) to like channel that into other things that I can really focus on. So like really long answer short as it feels like a relief. Yeah. How have you adjusted marketing and outreach now that you don't have the pod? Like, do you have a plan in place for that? Or are you just going to kind of like play it by ear? That's the upside down emoji face. (laughs) The head tilt. Although I can't quite make it all the way upside down. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know what that plan is. I mean, the wind community mean it when I say that I mean social media reach, which is like small but mighty, um, Facebook group, newsletter. I feel good about all of those things. And even though we do see a lot of like, how did you hear about this wind event? RD Real Talk Podcast, like that has been declining over the years. Like at first event, that was like 70% of people who signed up was like, how did you hear about this on the podcast? Now I'd say that's probably closer. I don't have an exact number, but probably more like 20 to 30%. Um, So I feel good about like the things we have in place to market what's going on with wind. You guys are going to die. May or may not have thought about a wind podcast, but I, I would not be the only, or maybe even like a host. Like it, I think that like it should exist and that's a 2023 project, maybe 2024. We will see. But it's such an effective tool and it's like such a great way to get information out there. I just no longer saw RD Real Talk as like the best way to do that. And for me, it was like, if I'm going to shift a lot of my business and working energy into wind, it doesn't make sense to keep doing the show. I, if there is a show that serves wind in that way, I would rather it actually be branded as the wind podcast and like I'm not the host. I'm not the one like running the show literally or figuratively, but like maybe it will exist. 
I almost asked that question if you had thought about rebranding RD Real Talk into the Wind podcast. I love that you've been thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah, I think because, I mean, truthfully, like I started RD Real Talk in 2017. I started Wind at the end of 2018. So almost like two years difference, not quite. So for, for a lot of people, they probably are one and the same. But as I said, like as wind has gotten bigger and we've done more things, like the association between RD Real Talk and wind has like that gap has widened so much, which I, it needed to. Like, I don't want to be the face of wind. I don't want RD Real Talk to be associated with wind. So to me, it felt important to like let that brand have lived the way that it did and like stay there versus like try to morph it into wind because then the problem persists of like people think wind and they think me like sometimes people respond to our newsletter and they're like hey heather and i'm like i didn't write that (laughs) or they like dm the instagram account and say hey heather i'm like i don't run that account it's not me you know and like again that's happening less and less frequently but yeah i didn't want those two to be associated so if there is a wind podcast in the future, I I want it to be like a totally separate thing. I really understand that feeling of not wanting to be the face of something because one, it doesn't give the other people on your team enough credit to their contribution to make this thing happen. And then also loving freedom and wanting not to be tied down. It's, it feels very committing to be the point person for everything. And you have so many places that you want to be doing different things, whether it's in your life or in your business. And so to not be the face is actually a really good thing and allows other voices and faces to be lifted. Yeah, exactly. So you've wrapped up the podcast. It is time to talk about what you got going on with wind. So can you give us a rundown about wind? Like For people who don't know, and if people don't know, oh my gosh, tell us about WIND. Yeah, WIND stands for Weight Inclusive Nutrition and Dietetics. Um, You both will appreciate this. I, today, like half an hour ago, finally filed an LLC for WIND. Good job. (laughs) Woo! Um, It has been housed under my LLC for way too long. Um, so now it is its own thing. And a part of that was a friend accountability who lives here. And part of it was like, I'm recording with Hannah and Morgan. I have, I am doing this, I'm doing it. Um, so wind again, stands for weight, inclusive nutrition and dietetics. And the main mission with wind is to provide weight, inclusive, continuing education for healthcare providers, primarily dietitians. Um, and it started because Fancy was in DC and I lived in DC. This was 2019. Um, I like unintentionally, but maybe subconsciously intentionally was out of town when Fancy was in DC. So like, I missed the whole thing and I was like, Oh, that was kind of dumb. But like, also I don't care because I don't like going to Fancy. Um, but we, a group of dietitians in the area, we were all talking about what sessions were happening and they were all members of the behavioral health nutrition DPG, which is primarily weight inclusive. Uh, and basically we were just like bitching about how there's not never enough like weight inclusive, non-diet, haze aligned sessions at big conferences because they feel threatened by it or I don't know, whatever other reasons they may have. Um, and I drove home and was just like, I'm going to have my own conference. <laughs> Love that's that big energy. 
Yeah. Um, and so wind started as that, and it is still that like our first event was four months later in New York, um, sold out. We had 40 people, which was awesome and really fun. Um, and we did three in-person events before COVID. Um, I'm waiting for someone to start the podcast titled and then COVID hit because literally everyone is like, I did this, this, and this, and then COVID hit. We're like, yeah, we, we know. We, we were all there. Yeah, we got it. Um, so we've done virtual stuff ever since. Um, so the two like big things that I think about when I think about wind are that creating that space for continuing education and providing those sessions in a place that, that is weight inclusive and like, not just like in the mix with other things, um, and creating community around that so that those of us who do this work feel connected and supported and like energized by working with each other. That's went. That was like a nice, cohesive elevator pitch story. Thanks. Thanks. I've told it a few times. <laughs> it's been a few years. Yeah. So it started as a gap in people having access to non-diet and weight-inclusive continuing education. What is it now? What is your hope for wind? How often will it happen? Like, where are you at to this day with it? Yeah. First, I need to correct myself. I said Fancy was in DC in 2019. It was 2018. So edit that for myself. What is it now? It is still at its core, like a place to come for continuing education and to learn about weight inclusive care. Um, because I, one, like that's important to me to do those events and to like have those spaces. And two, I'm realizing more and more how much of a gap there is between a practitioner or student or an intern, like being aware of weight inclusive care, intuitive eating, haze, et cetera, and then practicing it. Like, where are they learning how to do that? Right. Like where, what's the training, what's the like go-to education resources, et cetera. Um, so I'm hoping that wind comes to mind when people think of that. Um, and Right now, we're still doing a lot of virtual stuff because it's more accessible and it requires a lot less planning. <laughs> so even though I was like super bummed that we weren't going to be able to do... I was actually going to do Denver 2020, um, like in the fall, and obviously that didn't happen. Um, so we will still do some virtual stuff and then we're moving back to in-person events next year. Um, and going against all of my natural tendencies, I'm actually planning for that right now instead of like two months before it's going to happen. <laughs> Look at that so, growth. Oh yes. man, it's so hard. Uh, yeah. So like it's August at this time of recording. And I think also when you will hear this, if you're listening in real, like not in real time, but when it comes out um, and our event in Austin next year is in April. Uh, and we actually started planning that when we were in Denver. And I had Kim who works on wind with me when she was here and we were in person, like immediately or right before the Denver, um, like happy hour gathering that we hosted, um, Kim and I spent like two hours in the hotel, just like, okay, but let's plan or no, I think it was the next day. Like let's plan our next in-person event. So it's good. Still going to be a mix of events and like online trainings and resources. And then we're also, um, spending a little bit more time, like nurturing the community, if you will, like free community hangouts every month, 
um, posting more regularly in the Facebook group, hosting mastermind groups, like trying to get groups of people together that like work in the same spaces and want that connection with each other. I feel like I've always associated wind and, and like share wind with people as like that starting point, like introduction into weight inclusive, non-diet hates aligned care. But I, I mean, you nailed it. Like it looks so different if you're like a student or if you are a practicing clinician that's just starting this versus someone who's been a dietitian for a long time that is now just getting into this, but you already have those years under your belt. Do you have any plans to like kind of focus on those different paths or is it part of bringing all of those communities, those life stages together for them to learn from each other and learn with each other? A little bit of both. So what happened when I started wind was it was mostly what I say now is like, it was mostly level two people. Like we hosted the event in New York and then we hosted an event in DC and then we went back to New York. Um, and all of those events and many of them that have followed virtually my assumption, like my built-in assumption is that people coming they know what haze stands for. They've read intuitive eating. They've they know what ASDA is. Like that is not some like one of the sessions we had at the very first event. The speaker sent me the slides and it was like explaining haze. And I was like, no, no, no. Don't spend 10 minutes doing that. Everyone in this room knows what that is. So like move on to the next thing. Um, and so like that's where we started, and that's where a lot of the events have been. I would say a lot of them is like level two, right? Like I already know most of this stuff, but I want to build on my knowledge. And as we grow, I'm realizing that especially in the past year, people who have been in events, people who have registered for resources, it's more level one. And that's not like I still think the majority of people in our community are level two. And so like most of our bigger events focus on that, but like we want to host a workshop later this year that is like wind 101, the foundations, right? And then that's something that maybe we host two to three times a year. I don't really want it to be a self-paced course because there's too much like question and answer that needs to happen and discussion that needs to happen. And I don't think that's effective as a self-study, but I do want it to be something we offer somewhat regularly. And then for Austin, Morgan, I think I sent you the video of the space. Like there's a main like big open floor and then there are two like smaller rooms. And my vision is we have maybe like 15 or 20 people who sign up that need the one, the one Oh one or the level one training. And so we have like that option for them. And then the kind of co-occurring session is the level two stuff. And it caters more to the majority of people who come, which again, like already have that baseline knowledge. So I've been following your work for a long time, Heather, and I know you use the term flying by the seat of your pants a lot, which I've always been kindred spirits with you in that. And so it sounds like a lot of wind has been kind of that in the past. And you're getting into this phase where you're doing projections and planning further out than you have in the past. And I'm wondering if you have a structure for how often you'd like to have each type of these events or if you're still kind of figuring that out. No problem. I we think, won't hold you to it. We won't hold yeah. you to it unless you want us to. Unless, unless you want us to. We're here for accountability. <laughs> TBD. TBD on those boundaries. I don't know. Um, I 
yeah. So the first few years for sure, it was a lot of like, I'm just going to figure this out as we go. Like I said, I had this idea in October and we hosted our first event in February in New York. And I partnered with Alyssa Rumsey on that, which I talk about a lot because the important thing to me was like doing it right and doing it with someone who had hosted in-person events specifically in New York and more specifically for dietitians. Like she used to host these small mastermind weekends um, I think she called it the mastermind week, like a retreat, maybe, I don't know. Um, and so it was like partner with someone who knows how to do this. Um, cause like, I'm not an event planner. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And she had done that before. So like our two brains together worked really well. Um, like, and at the time I had a virtual private practice and I had this podcast and I had lane nine and I had freelance writing and I'm like, you know, I was sort of just like seeing what was going to happen. And I didn't realize that wind was going to be what it is. Um, now I have a person who works for me, Kim, who's incredible. She's been doing our social media for two years now. I think it was also like her idea to start it. Like she was like, do you think Wynn should have an Instagram account? And I was like, fuck no, because I don't want to run an Instagram account. Uh, so she does it and she does a great job. Um, so now that like one, I a couple of things. I've run a business now for a few years. So I understand like flying by the seat of my pants is really not the best way to go. And like, doesn't always feel great. Like it works until it doesn't. Um, two, I have someone working for me. So that is like accountability and a little scary and also like motivating. Um, and three, for the first time since opening my business and wind, I am not pregnant. And I'm not taking a maternity leave and I don't have a newborn. So I finally like have not only the brain space, but also like the actual time to plan ahead and to know that like, I'm not going to hit a fucking brick wall and like fall on my face and be sleep deprived for six months and like not have any brain cells. Like, you know, like I finally can like look at a a full year ahead and be like, oh, I can plan for this. So I do still think that two events a year is our max. Like it's, you, you will see soon if you haven't already, like it's a lot to put an event on. Um, I also find, and I haven't really figured out like totally why this happens, but I have a massive stress letdown after events. Like I feel off for sometimes a month. Um, I take a week off, but like after the, I think it was after the first New York event. So it would have been like early 2019. I like a month later, I was like, what's wrong with me? Like what? I can't focus on things. I like can't plan for things. I feel off in my client sessions. Like it took me a while to figure out that that's what was going on. So yeah, two, two a year is my max. Um, and then the little like in between stuff feels easy for me. I don't know why, <laughs> like those like virtual kind of like occasional resources and trainings and workshops, like those feel easier and it's not as much work. So I don't know, maybe three or four of those a year. We'll see. Like I said, um, hopefully a few workshops and then like two in-person events. Yeah. I can imagine the stress letdown that you have. Cause I, even when I do speaking events, which I fucking love, and I know Morgan relates to this too, 
there's always a buildup to it. And it's only like an hour or two usually. And there is such a come down. I try to not schedule anything else the rest of the day, unless I already had a prior commitment. And then I'm always like, fuck, but it's true. And that must be like a hundred times the amount of doing one speaking hour. I, I am proud of you for taking a week off and just learning that and being like, this is part of it. Nobody talked to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then like that week, I'm always like, Ooh, I should send out a survey and I should start planning our next event. And I'm just like, stop, like, stop. (laughs) Like, I think part of the stress letdown is like that energy just like funnels into itself and like wants to just keep doing the things and like wants to stay on this high, but yeah, a whole, and I don't even usually speak at wind events. I might do like a little welcome or something. I've given like short sessions, but I'm not speaking. I'm not, I'm definitely not speaking all day. It's just like, I'm hosting and I'm talking to people and I'm making sure everyone who registered showed up and like making sure the food arrives and making sure our venue is like where it's supposed to be. And I mean, it's just a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. You're on, like there's something to be said for being on. You don't have to be the one producing the words, but you're yeah. present and you're there and you're running the show. You're like the orchestrator. I don't know if that's the word, but conductor. Conductor, yes. Conductor. But puppet yeah. also. <laughs> yeah, I'm like puppet motion? master doesn't sound right to me, but yeah, conductor. I like. I like. I yes. can go with that. Puppeteer, yeah. but then it makes people sound like puppets. So yeah, no. We're, we're, I like con- conductor was what I was going for, but I can see how my hand motions also look like puppets. <laughs> What is it like to run a business that's not a private practice? I think a lot of the time when Morgan and I are doing our show and talking about different topics, you know, Morgan has the background of doing a lot of different things that aren't client work, one-on-one nutrition counseling as well. But a lot of my context that I talk about is one-on-one work and group practice and things. So we want to hear from you what it's like to run a business model the way that you have it set up. Yeah. I mean, I did run a private practice for a couple of years, although it was very part-time always. Um, had an associate dietitian for a while because I took two maternity leaves in two years. <laughs> so that was necessary. Um, and then like similar to the podcast, I just like reached a point where I was like, I can't, I can't run like two completely full businesses at the same time when I work four days a week. Um, so not running a private practice is kind of the best. <laughs> it's like kind of amazing. <laughs> I heard, I think it was Megan Boitano who owns um, the RD to RD marketplace. She introduced herself at a workshop recently as a, like a retired private practice owner or something like that, or a private practice dropout. And I was like, yes, I like that. Thank you. Um, I mean, sometimes it's easy to feel like I'm not a dietitian because my business, like I don't do client work. I don't do clinical work. I like, I remember all of those things and I have those skills. Um, but I really consider myself an event planner and like a community gatherer. Like when I think of like what I'm good at and what I do in wind, it's creating spaces, holding spaces, like having ideas and putting together an outline and a timeline to like bring them to life. Um, and it, I like at this stage of my career, I really like having a business that doesn't actually rely on being a dietitian. (laughs) I don't know how that makes me sound, but it is what it is. That's just the truth. I'm right there with you can absolutely relate to that. Yeah. I love being a part, part, part part-time clinician, but I also love the 
almost like the, my clinicians that work for me, they're like my clients at this point. And then I have my business yeah. coaching clients. So the one-on-one is still fantastic to me. Like I'm, I'm loving it. And I totally can see the diversity in the work and maybe having a little bit of face to less face-to-face time with people is refreshing and just getting to use different skill sets. So love yeah. that for you guys. Yeah. I actually, my internship, the focus, you know, like sometimes it's like a clinical focus or a food service focus or whatever. Our focus and our internship was technology. And like we, in the first three weeks had to like learn how to build a website and Morgan, you would die. These were like HTML coded websites on some Adobe platform. Dream Dreamweaver. Was that Dreamweaver. a thing? Yep, yeah. That that's is. what we used. Yep. So like part of our like big portfolio was like we had to make our own website and it had to have like stuff from our internship. And then like, and this is 2008, just like set the stage. Um, I had a blog and then I like started a Twitter and I was like very progressive in my group because I like did those things online. So I do feel like it all, like the writing was on the wall. Like I was never going to be destined for like long-term work in clinical dietetics or even private practice and counseling. Like even though I do love some one-on-one stuff and I love counseling, I I feel like from the beginning, it was clear that like, that was not really where my career was going to go. What internship did you do? And is it still a technology focused internship? I think so. Um, I did the University of Maryland and College Park internship. And in 2008, it was the only technology focused internship. And our internship director, who I think is still there, um, she was definitely like ahead of her time with stuff like that. Um, and I don't know that everyone there was really that interested. She really tried to fill it with people who like had an interest in technology. And we did rotations with two organizations. One is called the Information Food, International Food Information Council, IFIC, and they have an office in DC and that's all like online based stuff. So, um, we did six weeks at IFIC, I think maybe three weeks at IFIC. I think it was six. And then six weeks at the FDA's, what's it? Uh, the acronym is F. No, I'm going to get this wrong. Anyways, the FDA has like a technology center and like we worked on that website and did like a calcium, you know, not, it's not a blog post. It was like an article on like calcium for the dietetic supplement DSCA or whatever. Um, so we had two like technology rotations where basically our work was like the projects that we did were put onto a website and we saw like the back end and we had to work on like website writing skills and like copy editing and like researching and having resources and stuff like that. Um, so that's really where that came in. It was like 12 weeks of technology rotations. And then again, we had like the three weeks at the beginning where we had to learn HTML coding and like put together a website, most of which I don't remember, but like I learned enough to be able to do like little things here and there on my blog when I wanted to change something. So that was fun. I was going to say, it sounds like those skills have helped you get to where you are today and are actually useful. So fuck yeah. Awesome. So three cheers for that. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up the episode with a speed round of questions for you. Are you ready? Oh, I think so. We'll see. Yeah. What's your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Flexibility. What is your morning routine to get ready for the day? 
uh, get all my kids ready for the day. Um, but for myself, it is going to my favorite coffee shop and getting an iced Americano, which they like start fixing as soon as I walk into the door. Um, yeah. (laughs) What's the best thing you've eaten this week? Ooh. Um, my sister made German chocolate cake cupcakes for my parents' retirement party, and they were amazing. Definitely. I just had German chocolate cake. So good. Oh, so good. So good. What's the hardest decision you've had to make in your business? Ooh, um, boundaries are the first thing that come to mind. And I don't know that that's like necessarily the hardest decision I've had to make, but it's the hardest lesson I've had to learn Mm. holding boundaries. What's your least favorite task that you've happily outsourced? Running an Instagram account. (laughs) For sure. And as a wrap up, where can everybody find you if they want to connect and are interested in working with you? My website is heatherkaplan.com and I'm at Heather DCRD on Instagram um, and wind is weightinclusivenutrition.com. Awesome. I have a question about your Instagram handle. Yes. <laughs> Before we like officially, officially. Wrap please, up. please ask. Yeah. Okay. Heather DCRD. Is it DC because you lived in DC or is it DC because that's like a maiden name and then C for Kaplan? Um, neither one of those things, but the, the DC was often confused because I lived in DC and that was just like a very convenient coincidence. My middle initial is D and my, my, both my maiden name and my married name tangent, wish I hadn't changed my name, but here we are. They both start with C. So I didn't have to change my initials. So Heather DC is actually like my initials are D. But it also worked because I lived in DC. But so I you were close. That. You were close, Morgan. Yeah. Like it goes either way, but it actually wasn't because of my location. Good to know. It's like right a yeah. right answer adjacent. Yes. How we know. Exactly. Honestly, I had the same question and I almost asked and I was like, why isn't it Heather CO now? Like stupid. <laughs> Also, I like can't be changing my Instagram handle every time I move because that happens frequently. Like since I've had that Instagram account, I've lived in DC, California, DC, Colorado. We can't keep up with that. Touche. Well, thanks so much for being on our podcast, Heather. And thank you listeners for tuning into the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a rating and review, share with the business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com where you will find show notes with our episode with Heather. We'll see you all next week. Bye.